Hello and welcome to On the Battlefield with me, your host, Father Joseph Collins, and my friend and host, Father Michael Marcantoni. Uh, this is episode five of On the Battlefield, where we are sharing the Christian message of hope and endurance amidst life's suffering and upheaval. Uh, Father Michael, today we're going to be talking about something called the comeback, right? Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, and um, we'll get into this. Absolutely. Thank you, Father Joseph. Uh, before we begin, uh, because I have told, I have said on every one of these podcasts that we want to make this a dialogue rather than a monologue. Before we begin, I do want to take a moment to address one question that came to us. Um, and obviously, this, uh, this needs to be a longer conversation with the individual, but we'll go ahead and say a brief word about it. Uh, and we want to thank her for sending it in and thank her for getting it to us. And one of our listeners asked the question of what they can do about their adolescent child, about their teenage child who just doesn't want to come to church. They, they just don't want to participate and they're being difficult. Um, well, uh, I do have a few thoughts and we'll share the broad strokes and, of course, uh, come back to them more personally later. But the broad strokes are you've got to do a couple things. First and foremost, you've got to pray for them. Um, you have to talk to God about them more than you're talking to them about God. But at second, they need to see that you living your Christian life is a source of joy. If, you're, if living your Christian life is a source of anxiety and frustration and complaints and busyness, if, it's, if they see that it's a burden, if it appears to be a burden to you, they won't want it for them. Now, even if it is a joy to you, that's no guarantee that they'll want it for themselves. But if, it's a, if they see the joy in being a Christian, that puts it into the most positive light. So they're looking and saying, this is a thing of joy. This is a thing of love and a thing that is objectively good to do. I see, you know, my, my, my mother, my father, my parent, they, you know, they're, they're, they're peaceful. They're prayerful. They, I see them taking ownership of their failings. Like, let them see the good that it brings out in you, and that'll point them to the good in it. Um, that's a major point. That's something that St. Paisios used to say in his writings to concern parents all the time. And, and that, it, you know, he had, a, there's this famous story where St. Paisios is talking to these two daughters. And, uh, well, excuse me, he's talking to a father. And the father has two daughters, and the daughters want nothing to do with the church. And lo and behold, he finds out, and, and this is a family that goes to church constantly. They're, they have a good prayer rule. They go to confession. They're at the services, all of that. This is back in Greece. But he comes to find out that on the way to church, the husband and wife habitually fight. And uh, church things are, are the source of frustration and resentment. And if the fasting meal isn't 100% fasting, there's going to be a big blow up at the table and things like that. And so what the girls had begun doing was associating the practice of faith with all of these negative interactions. So it wasn't that the parents weren't practicing their faith, but it was the lack of Christian joy of the good Christian joy that kept it from sinking into them. And once the saint counseled the parents to address that things improved. Uh, but the final point that I want to bring up on this is, Give them some freedom. Now, of course, we want them to come to church. I don't mean give them the freedom to not come to church because they're under your roof. And, and I, I plan on telling my kids 
um, you know, where when they get to be old enough to push back, uh, nope, you're coming. It's not negotiable. But give them the freedom and that you recognize to them that they are eventually going to have to make this decision on their own. And you say, okay, you, you know, look, son, daughter, she didn't indicate to me whether the, uh, whether the child was a boy or a girl. Uh, but say to them, my dear, you know, I understand that if at some point you are going to decide what you do on a Sunday morning. And you may already be leaning towards uh, just never showing back up at church. And once you're an adult, there's nothing I can do about that. However, comma, what I do ask for you to do is to make an informed decision. So what, uh, what will absolutely break my heart as your parent is for you to walk away from the church and not really know or understand what the church teaches. Not, not the caricatures of it, not uh, broad strokes that you glean off some angry website on the Internet that may not even be about the Orthodox Church, right? No. Come to church. Learn the service, learn what the prayers say, learn why they say, learn orthodoxy on its own terms. And if you can really look at it and say, if you can really look at it once you leave the house and say, uh, I'm making an informed decision and I know what orthodox Christianity teaches and I reject it. Well, I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. But as someone who respects you, I, as someone who respects and loves you all i ask is that you make an informed decision and there's no way to make that informed decision from your bed and there's nowhere for, so nowhere for you to make that informed decision about uh you know without reading up on it up from orthodox sources so that you know what it says and you know they i'm sure that their their child has uh certain social political causes that they feel strongly about once again they would read the sources. They would read the things that go with it. And they'd say, well, I believe that this writer, that writer, and this activist, that activist I, are, are correct in what they're saying or incorrect. So by inviting them to make an informed decision, you're also telling them that, okay, I get you're going to make this decision on your own, but I want you to be educated. I'm respecting your knowledge and your wisdom. So be educated and make sure that and and then that can quickly turn into doing it as a family. Right. Because now it's like, well, mom, where do I find the books? Well, let's go talk to the priest. Well, mom, what does this say? What does that word mean? And suddenly you're all learning. But the fact that you're instead of browbeating them, you're pushing them towards knowledge and you're pushing them towards what they don't realize is, but in fact is a greater closeness to Christ, uh, I, I, I bet they'll come out the other side of that stronger and faithful Christians for it. But yeah, say, I, and that's what I tell all my Goyans in every Goya group, I, every, you know, teen, the teenage group is called Goya and every Goya group I've ever had, like make informed decisions. I know, you know, when you graduate here and you're in college, you're going to decide what you do on Sundays, but I don't ever want any of you to call me up later and say, Father Michael, you never told me about this stuff. No, 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 I told you. So that's, uh, so that, that's my advice to you. Uh, first off, pray for them. Second off, second off, let them see that you're, the practice of your Orthodox Christianity is a source of, source of joy. And then third off, demand that they make an informed decision and therefore they need to be at church and they need to know the source material and they need to be able to they need to know what orthodoxy says on orthodoxy's terms in order to make an informed decision just put it like that 
I want you to, to know what you're doing. And that's, that, that's something that you can connect with. So uh, our prayers are with you, uh, both as priests and as parents. Our prayers are with you. Stay the course and persevere. God bless you and thank you for writing in. And I do want to encourage the rest of you to also uh, write in with your questions, comments, and concerns. And thank you for beginning to make this into a dialogue. Now, uh, Father Joseph, back to you. You had asked about the comeback. And what I want to talk about in the comeback um, is the fact that, so in starting this podcast, we started out by saying that, hey, man, life doesn't always go as planned. You've got that that first contact where all the plans go out the window and then you've got to adjust on the fly. And then we talked about adjusting and we called it the scramble and we're like, all right, you've got to scramble. You've got to, you've got to hustle and make it work. Um, and you've got to adjust and readjust and readjust again. And today I want to talk about the fact that in all of that, sometimes you get a loss. Sometimes you completely lose. You are defeated. Uh, everything that you've put, it's gone. And that can look a lot of different ways. It can, it can look like a literal death. It could be the death of a marriage in divorce. Um, it could be the loss of a career. Uh, it, it could be some catastrophic accident that derails your plans. You know, sometimes we truly do have to rebuild from the ground up. And that's a fact. And the reason why we need to talk about this is because, as especially here in North America, we claim to love the underdog. We say that we love comeback stories, but it's not as true as we want it to be. We love the underdog insofar as we know that the underdog is going to win. So when you watch Rocky, everyone loves Rocky, right? But you love Rocky because you know by the end of it, he's the true champion. He's the winner. Even though he loses the fight, he wins everyone's hearts. He, we know that he is truly on top at the end. We love him in retrospect. We love him after the win. Um, we, we are very happy to applaud someone, for example, in uh, addictions recovery. We're very happy to applaud them once they've already got five, six, ten years sober. But we can be a lot more reticent to stand by them in those dodgy first couple of months. And the catch 22 there is if we don't stand by them in the dodgy first couple of months, how are they ever supposed to get to year five? And, and this is not the picture that we see painted in the gospels. At no point does Jesus say, get your stuff together and then we'll see. When he tells Peter to come out to him on the water, Peter's faith fails. Peter steps out. He begins walking on water. His faith fails. He sinks and Jesus reaches in and pulls him out. He doesn't say, you better tread water and swim to shore. And when we get to shore, we'll see about it. Um, or, you know, you look at Mary Magdalene who followed him. And the, and the gospel text says that he cast out from her seven demons. I, I can't vouch for it, but I would venture to say that the condition of being inhabited by seven demons is really bad. He didn't say, lady, get your life together and come back to me. He rescued her from it. And then he said, come and follow me. Give your life to the God who has set you free. 
in every event, what Jesus demands is repentance. He says, turn from your sin and live. But he doesn't say, turn from your sin, go on probation, and then maybe, maybe I'll love you. He doesn't do that. You see, so that's, that's where I want to discuss our proposed love of the comeback and the very real difficulty that we have in supporting that comeback while it happens. Because when someone is rebuilding their life from the ground up, it does not look pretty. We will applaud them after the mansion is built. You know, you see the person with the mansion, you're like, well, you know, I, I had three companies go bankrupt and go under, and man, we had to scrape, and we, we lived on food stamps, but here we are, and we will applaud them and toast to their success. Well, who was there while they were on food stamps? And Solomon in the Proverbs says that most, he even says that friends will often desert you in times of trouble. And those friends who do not are worth their weight in gold. I'm paraphrasing like two different Proverbs together because I don't have the tech, uh, the quote in front of me. But nonetheless, you know, that I, and I think that's a real weakness to address as us Christians because we should be, we should do better than that. We should represent something better than that. Jesus was better than that. He was God himself, but he doesn't ask us to do anything we can't do. You know, we, when, when someone repents and is trying to rebuild and is trying to make that comeback, we should be there. We should be the hand of Christ pulling them up into it. Not a voice that says, get your act together and then we'll wait and see if you deserve forgiveness. That's, you see, uh, and, and that's, that's I, I really don't care that it's hard for us to do. I really don't. Because if it's hard, it's possible. Impossible things are not hard. If I say I'm going to jump off the building here and fly like a bird across the city, it's not hard. It's just impossible. I'll fall to the ground. If it's hard, it means it can be done. So uh, I, I think that's something we really need to address. That's, that's what I want to talk about today. Great. So don't forget, everyone, that you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at On the Battlefield Media. You can find us on anchor.fm under On the Battlefield. Um, please uh, subscribe, like, uh, follow along, ask questions along the way on the Facebook page or via or via Instagram, we really do want, like uh, like we started this episode, to make it a dialogue and, and to entertain uh, the problems that people are having on the battlefield of their own life and uh, to really to make this something more substantive than, than us just uh, yakking at each other. Um, but back, back to the topic at hand. Um, the, this idea of the comeback is is present in so many areas of life, Father Michael. It, um, it's really kind of the story of life. I, it, there's always a comeback happening at some point during the, it's, and it's daily, sometime even hourly, where we, we hit a wall or we fail and we have to come back from it. We, we have to learn, we have to come back bigger and stronger. And in our personal life, this is facilitated by 
our own relationship, hopefully with the Lord, our own spiritual and psychological well-being. We need to be taking care of ourselves. We need to be sleeping. We need to be hydrating. We need to be eating right. We need to be exercising. We need to be in dialogues with friends like you and I are doing right now. We talk. We, we have other friends. We need to have friends that are, are our equals at work in, in our field who understand the intricacies of, of what life presents to us on a daily basis. We need to have friends who are outside of that realm that, that we can talk about different things. Um, we need to be talking to our spouses. We need to be interchanging with our children and, and remembering. I, and I think a big part of this, and he, he's human. And sometimes things happen outside the church that break him, that cause trauma in his life. Maybe he's being a jerk today because he was at the bedside of a person who died in his presence at the hospital last night. And you don't know that. Maybe someone close to him is, is struggling with, with depression or addiction, and he's bearing that weight of their life in his soul. And he, he comes to church and he's a little snappy. He's a little on edge. He's a little whatever. Don't mistake that and attack him. Don't mis recognize his hurt. Recognize the potential for pain in the life of the priest. And gird him up, especially with your prayers and with, and with your offering of yourself to him to help in any way possible. He may reject your help. And that's on him. But offer your help, offer your prayers, offer your kindness, offer your love. Kiss his hand, honor him. He's got a lot of weight on his, a lot, a lot on his plate. He's got a lot of souls that he's responsible for. And if he looks broken and he looks beaten down and he looks like he needs your help, chances are he does. And help him. It's part of, it's part of the deal. He's living a life of repentance too. He's out on the battlefield with you. And most of the times he's leading the charge and he's going to get beat up first. So be there for him. And in, and in your priest, see your need to be involved prayerfully and actively in the lives of the people around you. Is For me, we had a, a very wonderful human being give us a, a grant of money and he asked that we... We call it uh, the, the Galatians 6.2 fund. And Galatians 6.2, to your point, it reads, and so bear the burdens of others and, and fulfill the love, or the law, forgive me, the law of Christ, right? It doesn't imply that something is finished, but in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the battlefield, we are to bear each other's burdens in the midst not at the end when we see that it's a successful person who's who is worthy in our own selfish mind who is worthy of our effort but all people are worthy of our effort like jesus christ our lord in his coming into the world thought all humanity was worthy of his effort worthy of his love worthy of his salvation and we are to be like him and I say this next thing as a priest, that don't forget your priest is a human being. Don't forget 
that your free priest is broken, that he is a human like you, that he puts his pants on one leg at a time in the morning. And if he's a superhuman, he puts them on two legs at the same time. He jumps into them because he's amazing. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's something else. I don't remember if it's uh, from right there in Galatians or from another one of the epistles, but it also says you who are spiritual, if you see, if any brother should fall into sin, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness, taking heed to yourself, lest you also be tempted. And that's what's so important. Uh, that's what's so important when we look at supporting people in their comeback, because it's saying it's saying a couple of things. First off, you 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 might get yourself into your problem more or less alone but you probably can't get out of it alone. We, we get out of it in community, the community of the church, the community of, our, of the body of Christ, of our, of our relationship with God. It, even, even the community of us and God is a community. So we don't get out of it on our own steam. So as much as, as a good American, as much as I love the language of buy my own bootstraps, it's not, it's not really the way it works, Right. I may have to grab those bootstraps and lift them up, but uh, it's coming with the the prayer, the prayers and intercessions of the whole body of Christ, the support of my family, the help of good friends like yourself. I mean, there, there's all those things. Um, so in the midst of it, so, yeah, it's saying one, we need we need to lift up others, not after the comeback has happened but in the midst of their rebuilding but two, take heed to yourself lest you also be tempted why does he say that well because we're all going to take a turn you're, you're going to take a turn i mean you think about all the things that have to be rebuilt like i said it could be a, it could be a marriage it could be a career it could be health i mean it could be it's, it could be as simple as just you know, reigniting the spark between you and your spouse, right? That's still rebuilding. It, it, it's, it could be that simple. It could be financially rebuilding from bankruptcy. Uh, to the person going through it, it's a crisis. It's not small. And so we're called to stand by one another and bear, bear one another's burdens, as you said in Galatians 6-2, to, to restore one another as a, in a spirit of gentleness and to take heed of ourselves, because guess what? As Christians, we should recognize my turn cometh. My turn cometh and we don't know how quickly it comes. And if we've created the culture and the habit of bearing one another's burdens, it will be less of uh, the crisis will be less painful. And there'll be a sense of relief because we'll say, thank God I have somewhere to turn. Because given that we'll all have a need for comeback on some level in our lives, there's nothing worse than having to rebuild and being alone and being isolated. And that's, or feeling like you're alone and isolated. Right. And if we've allowed the people in our world to not believe that they can turn to us, that's on us. Yeah. Right on. I mean, and, um, it, it, and this, this, this kind of idea that you framed with, with by beginning with Rocky, it, it denies the the very sheer fact of physics that everything that is is moving towards nothingness by nature. It's entropy. Mm -hmm. That life is a 
constant rebuilding and it's constant act of renewal. And it, and the Christian life is a constant act of renewal empowered in and by the Holy Spirit to be brought into the community of the church, to be brought into the body of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has promised to undo all that chaos, to undo all that suffering, to do undo all the death. And he promises that to those of us who are willing to put in the work of repentance, who are willing to put in the work of co that constant and ceaseless battle that is being waged against us at the spiritual level towards non-being or being. And that being that we find in Jesus Christ is our true joy. And we find it in prayer. We find it in the church. We find it in emptying ourselves before the Holy Spirit so that he can do the work of, of rebuilding, of, of the comeback. He empowers the comeback in the church. He is the motivating power behind the comeback and the triumph of the church in Jesus Christ. He's it. He's, he's the one undoing the chaos. He's the one undoing the entropy in our lives. And to, done, to deny that is, is false. Nothing is static. The only thing that's constant in the world is God and his truthfulness. Because he's the one that holds all things together by his power and his will. And once we recognize that, then we're in a place where we can actually bear the burdens of the other. Because it's not me in my weakness bearing it, but it's me in my humility allowing the Lord enough space in my life to do the thing, to facilitate the comeback, to allow me when I have a series of bad thoughts to repent and to have him reach out his hand and take me up out of the water. That when I make a mistake, that I can repent and say, hey man, wow, did I ever mess up, Lord? Make it right. Overcome it. And, and we do this in prayer in a very real and deep sense, like, like we were, like was said earlier about the teenager, right? I mean, this, this is, goes beyond the teenager, but speak more to God. This is uh, from Elder, um, I forget his name. Uh, Paisios, I think. Paisios is the one I quoted. Oh, no, it's a different, it's a different elder. It's different uh, Epiphanios, Elder Epiphanios, that's what was his name. Speak more to God about your children than to your children about God, oh. right? Our souls are in a state of explosion of freedom, especially the teenager, but it's hard for us to accept counsel sometimes, he says. And, and we really need to be praying because in prayer, we get a clearer understanding of ourselves, our own weaknesses, our own shortcomings, because we're... We're, we're seeing more clearly God in prayer. And then when we see God clearly, we in return see ourselves more clearly. And we, we see the gap between his holiness and our sinfulness. And in that place, we can recognize the sins and the weaknesses of others a little bit more clearly and reach out to them and, and, and help them in a way that's actually useful rather than filled with pride. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that we go to Holy Week and I mean, that's that's where all the hymns, you know, saying, oh, death, where is your where is your sting? You know, Hades was embittered. It took what it thought was a body and encountered God. It, it took what it could see and was snared by what it could not see. Uh, I, I mean, and, and you've got to look at that and, and say, like, if we really take seriously 
you know, the ultimate comeback of comebacks. The, you know, that death itself doesn't really hold any weight or victory. The death itself is only temporary and eternal life is forever. I mean, you imagine that certainty uh, and you think that the, the sort of the sort of courage and grandiosity that we can that we really could come at any problem with that. I think I think if we see that in a person, um, first off, we're enamored with that strength. But it looks a lot like what St. Paul says in his epistle where he says, uh, I have learned the secret in being content under all circumstance. You know, and he goes on, you know, whether he's uh, whether he's ill treated or treated well, whether he's in prison or free, hungry or full. It doesn't matter. He's he's content. I mean, that's that that's solid that's what i mean when we've got when we've got the faith the true faith in the comeback of comebacks that this is right. real that that eternal life is realer than the appearance of death right. um i mean and, and how much you know and and that's look when jesus said look i'm going to tear this temple down and raise it in three days he's talking about the comeback but you know no one believes him and can we stand with that alone well we don't have to <laughs> you know which is what we're talking about. Yeah, the, the apostles kind of believed it, but they still doubted. And then then we see, I mean, you're right. The comeback of all comebacks is the resurrection and the ascension. Uh, that is the comeback. And, and Jesus tells us through his dialogue with Thomas, when, when Thomas doubted and the Lord said, uh, you, you've seen, and you believe, but blessed are those who believe having not seen. And our comeback as human beings is predicated on our willingness to put an all-daring trust and confidence in the Lord to do what he said he would do. And that is offer us joy, peace, and everlasting life because he himself went down into Hades and conquered death and went into heaven and seated at the right hand of God giving the Holy Spirit that he may come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, and those who believed shall dwell with him in eternity. That's the comeback for humanity. That was the overthrow of all history and the hope of the Christian and the hope of all mankind, that somehow we can have victory over death. And we have a comeback to do here in Wyoming. You know, Father Michael, the last time we recorded, it was almost 70 degrees, and the wind outside was 60, right? Today, it's like two degrees, uh, about eight inches of snow on the ground, and calm. So we, we have a little coming back to do because it's too cold for <laughs> this time of oh, year. Yeah. Too much snow uh, on the ground. But uh, we are out of time, Father Michael, and I would love it if you'd pray for the two of us and everyone who's tuned in. Let us pray to the Lord, Lord of mercy. O God, save your people and bless your inheritance. Grant victory to the faithful against the adversaries of the faith. Protect your people by your holy cross. O Christ, our God, extend your unseen hand from your dwelling place on high. Visit your servants in your mercy. Raise us above every agitation and slander and guide us to every good work. For you bless and sanctify in you. To you we ascribe glory to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, both now and ever and unto the ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for having tuned in uh, as we shared the Christian message of hope and endurance amidst the sufferings of life and its upheaval. 
And we hope that you tune in with us in a couple weeks when we uh, do episode six. But until then, God bless you and keep you and be well along the journey of life on the battlefield. Thank you.